read together from God's Word from Romans chapter 8. We'll be reading verses 18 through 30. This is a portion we read last prayer service, but we'll be once again looking at the help of the Spirit in prayer. I'm looking now at how the Spirit helps you pray. We considered um, last prayer service the reality of our need of the Spirit's help and began looking at how He prays. We'll look at that more focused today. So Romans 8, beginning in verse 18. Hear God's own true and eternal word. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then we do with patience, then, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. To whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. Amen. May God bless the reading and the preaching of His Word. God's Word open in Romans chapter 8. And I'll read again verse 26. It is the focal verse. It is the main reason we're here in Romans in our study of the basics of prayer. Um, Verse 26 Paul introduces the Spirit and he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so Paul introduces the help of the Spirit in prayer. 
And if you were with us a month ago when we began looking at the Spirit's help in prayer, I, I mentioned that in our, in our study of the basics of prayer, we are now looking at, at um, a threefold aspect um, that is also very basic about prayer. Um, in the basics of prayer, we, we saw that the, the, the very essential ingredient of prayer is, is faith, because without it, there is no prayer. We, we saw that prayer in a basic form is a gift from God, and it is a gift so that we give to God everything that we give in prayer, um, everything that is part of prayer, the supplication, the petitions, um, the praise, and our confession of our sins, and, and our gratitude to God. We're, we're literally, been, we've been gifted these things to give back to God in prayer. And then we were also seeing that some very basic elements of prayer is looking at the Trinity, how the Spirit helps us pray. We will look later at the Lord Jesus Christ as our great mediator so that prayer enters, you could say, the doors of heaven. Without Christ in heaven as our mediator, our prayers would not arrive there. Without the Spirit, our prayers do not leave earth, do not leave our hearts. And in, we, we, in looking at Romans 8, we saw that when we put together the Spirit's help and the reality of prayer, it is all in the context of waiting. It, it is important to, to see this. And, and here, not so much by design in, in my planning. Um, I never planned so well. But in God's providence, we are in Luke um, 12, where we're even considering the theology of waiting and and here in Romans 8 we're seeing that the spirit has given us to help us wait because this is what life is is really all about we we are saved in this world and when we are brought from lostness to life when we are made to see we realize this is not our world we we are in a waiting period we're just passing through and, and death makes that very certain and clear, because none of us are here forever. And, and affliction makes it very desirable to leave. And, and to know there is a place called home, which is heaven, in the very bosom of our Father. Um, it is precious to know this is only a time of waiting. And what we find out in Romans 8, because the Spirit comes to help us basically wait, we realize we don't know how to wait well. And, 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 and as we've been studying Romans, um, Luke 12, putting it together with Romans 8, that's why Jesus has to even bring forth a, a theology of waiting to, to teach us how to wait. And, and here in Romans 8, we're given this great blessing to know that God gave us the gift of prayer to help us learn how to wait rightly. Um, we could think of the sword of the Spirit. We know it's given to us by God to battle the enemy, the Word of God. The shield of faith, it is for us to, be, to defend ourselves from the enemy. Um, the helmet of salvation is to protect us forever. Um, the breastplate of righteousness is to help us stand firm, you could say, while we wait. The, the belt of truth, um, we learn, is to help us fight the good fight. All of this from, from Ephesians 6. And remember, prayer is also a gift of the Christian soldier. And prayer is given to us for us to wait, for us to ask 
help while we wait, to confess our sins while we wait, to thank God while we wait, um, to praise Him while we wait. And, and remember, as we read Romans 8, you saw the things we're waiting for. We're, we're waiting for this glorification, this redemption of the body. We're waiting for the, the materializing of the reality that we are sons of God. Not, not by faith we believe that, but we do not see our Father yet. Imagine the day that you and I can literally look into the eyes of God and call Him Abba, Father, It is all by faith now. And see, we're waiting for that. That's still to come. Um, As we were reading through this passage, you saw there, there was even the suffering is showing what this life is like. And it just makes our yearning for those things to happen and come fast, even faster. And so we saw that, that we don't wait rightly. And when we put it in the context of prayer, Romans 8 verse 26 shows two ways that we don't wait rightly, that we don't pray rightly. We don't know the contents of prayer and we don't even know the heart of prayer, our own heart. This is why it says that the Spirit um, helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for. That's the content of prayer. As we ought that's the manner of prayer, the, the heart of prayer. And I'll try to speak of the content of prayer today and, and hopefully conclude the manner of prayer, the, the heart of prayer. So the first point is the content of prayer. The second is the heart of prayer. And hopefully we'll get to the end of the heart of prayer. Um, if we were to say everything that could be said, we, we would certainly need more sermons. But let's talk about the content of prayer. Um, Thomas Boston, the Puritan, he said that we are apt, instead of bread, to ask a stone, instead of a fish, a scorpion, to pray for what would do us ill and against what is for our good. And then he lists the many ways in which we don't have the right matter of prayer, where in our own natural hearts, we need help in that area. He says we might pray against God's mercy. We might pray for that which could hurt us. We might pray for that which would feed our sinful desires. We might not pray for what we truly need. We might forget what we should pray for. And simply, we might not pray according to God's will. And he concludes this thought saying, There is so much remains of corruption in the best of us that it is hard even in our prayers to keep within the compass of what is agreeable to His will. We are so weak that in God's dispensations, many times we take our friends for our foes and call what is for our good evil, as Jacob did when he said, All these things are against me, when they were all for him. And, and this reminds me us of, of so many examples. Think, think of Jacob himself. Um, he would never have prayed that Joseph would migrate to Egypt. That would never have been jo- jo- Jacob's prayer. He would have never had a prayer for famine in that known geographic region. We just don't pray that way. But that was God's will. Um, He would have never prayed for Benjamin to go with his sons. He was against that. 
It would have never been an object of his prayer. And he would have never prayed that even he would migrate to Egypt and live there for many years. But you see, those, those were all God's will for, for Jacob and his family. And it would have never been the matter of his prayer. Because we, like Jacob, um, have this infirmity. We know not what we should pray for. Think of Moses. He did pray for entering the promised land. And God said no. Um, Elijah prayed that God would take his life. And God said no. And we can imagine that Jonah's prayer would have been against a revival in Nineveh. And thankfully God said no. And, And you think of David's prayer against the death of his own son. And that would have been any of our prayers. But God said no. Because we know not what we should pray for as we ought. So do, do we really believe this? And, and think of this, beloved, how humbling this is. We're, we're not talking about anything academic where you have to go to college to learn and things that would, if, if we don't know certain things that take a lot of learning, we don't feel so, so ignorant because we think, well, I didn't even go to college for that. So, of course, I shouldn't know this and I shouldn't know that. And I have no experience in this or that area. So we don't feel humbled that we don't know certain things that aren't our area of expertise. But is your life your area of expertise? It's what we live in. We have our children. We have our family. We, we know our geography. We, we know the plans that we basically want. We don't even know how to pray about those basic things, like in our own hearts. Um, David Clarkson, another Puritan, he said, We know not what is proper and expedient for us, what is seasonable, what is best for us, or when it will be so. We ourselves would be ready to ask that which is impertinent or unseasonable or hurtful to us. We would have ease and liberty and plenty and deliverance out of troubles or freedom from sufferings. We would have joy and assurance, yea, triumphs and raptures. We would have these or the like presently and in full measure at such a time in such a degree as might be prejudicial to our souls. Um, bad for us and so we would seek them if we were left to ourselves if the spirit did not better direct us and lead us to what is most necessary and proper and advantageous and so this about the spirit's help in the content of prayer God helps us even know what petitions we should have and sometimes it may happen simply in this way that things we should not pray for, God doesn't even make us mindful of them. So we're not remembering them. And then, of course, we need help even to remember things that we should be mindful of. We forget to pray for things that we need. And so it can be as simple as our memory having a failure. And God then uses that for His purpose by not making us mindful of what we should not even think of. In other places, it's just a matter of humility. That if we do pray for, for God's blessing in a financial way, that we would have a, a very true and humble heart, that we're not praying for that, just because, of course, it's something very pleasurable, but that we would add to our prayers, Lord, and I, I just pray that Thou would deliver me from this great burden because it's been very hard. But if it is Thy will, 
help me to at least learn to realize in it how dependent I am in thee. But help me, Lord, in my work, help me in whatever way so that I may pay this bill. It just it regulates our hearts, even praying for things that, of course, are very good, but that very possibly it can arise more because of my pride than because of what God's will is. But let me go to our second point, the heart of prayer. And here there's, there's more, and we might divide this into two parts because it's so precious to think that the Spirit helps us in our hearts. And, and this, of course, we're talking about all those things that fight against prayer, and we are all so aware of what these things are. The reality that we, can, that we don't have a desire to pray when we should. That, that we don't pray, never, none of us ever pray with perfect faith. None of us ever pray with perfect love. We're interceding for someone, but it's sometimes cold-hearted, sometimes lukewarm-hearted. Sometimes it is full of passion, but never it is full of perfect and complete love. Isn't that humbling to think? Not a single one of us have ever prayed with a perfect, sinless love for anybody in this whole world. Because we don't love perfectly. So, so this is what I mean about the Spirit's help, how we ought to pray. Because we ought to pray with all our heart. But we can't. We don't. And, and we, we may pray with a cold heart. We may pray full of wanderingness and wandering um, going on in our heart. We may pray with disrespect to God. We, we may not persist in prayer. And, and I do believe, in a way, this lack of persisting is one of our key problems. Um, and, I, and I'll say why in a, in a moment. And, and in response to this, how is it that the Spirit helps? If He helps, if these are our failures, well, the Spirit comes and helps right there. That's what's so encouraging about all this. See, so He gives us the faith that we don't have. He gives us the desire that we're not even wanting. He gives us the earnest. He gives us the love. He gives us the humility. He gives us the persistence, the fervency, the reverence. And, and all of these things, the Puritans called it the soul and life. Life of prayer and the way they put it was that by by giving us these things the holy spirit causes there to be the existence of prayer it's the idea that prayer as a thing only happens if the spirit in you instills in your heart all of these desires and you, you have to agree it begins there right because you desire to pray well then the words and the matter of prayer will follow but the matter of prayer won't even exist if there isn't the heart. And so when we're talking about Jesus, the Spirit giving us help to, as we ought to pray, is really the creating of prayer. It is the existence of prayer. And why did I single out um, perseverance, persistence? Because remember... Also, not too long ago in Luke 11, we were seeing the Lord Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. They, they asked us, Lord, teach us how to pray. And the first portion is Jesus giving him, them, the matter of prayer. Jesus does give a list of petitions. That's the Lord's prayer. But after he gives that model prayer... And, and that's basically point one of what we just talked about. How the Spirit teaches us what we should pray for. 
Well, the Lord Jesus did that. But the rest of that discussion is one portion. Remember, it is a parable teaching us to persist in prayer. And then Jesus infuses that with promises, guaranteeing that there would be an answer prayer, fueling in our hearts the persistent to pray, pray, persistence in prayer. And then he gives further principles to solidify that those promises are true, that we should persist in prayer. So he gives a parable and promises and principles and all of this. When you think of the word persistence, if you and I have a persistent heart in prayer, think of how many of those graces follow suit. If you persist in prayer, it's because you have faith in prayer. If you persist in prayer, you're, you're encouraged to pray. You, you have an earnest to pray. You, you, you have a stamina to pray. You, you have love in prayer. And those are all those graces that are the soul of prayer. And so this is how the Spirit helps us. He, he gives us the things we, we are weak in. And... And how, in in specific ways, does he do this? And I'm going to group it up into about three points here in in closing. One is that the Spirit stirs our hearts. This is that whole concept of bringing out the earnest and the eagerness and the desire. We understand, right, there will be no persistence in prayer if, if you don't start with an earnest in praying. And here we we have a couple Puritan quotes that that can help us also. Um, David Clarkson, he says, He prepares and disposes, incites and inclines the heart to make requests. He puts the heart into a praying frame and sometimes excites us so powerfully as we cannot withhold from pouring out our souls before Him. That whenever that may have happened to you, in your experience of prayer, you can be absolutely certain that the Spirit has helped you pray. Because who are we? The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We're the infirm ones, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. And so if you're, if you're praying with an earnest, and it, it, it never needs to be a perfect earnest, it never will because of our, our imperfections, and we're not going to be perfect in this world. But you do feel that warmth of love for the loved one you're praying for. You've noticed that you've prayed for two, three, four times. No day goes by without remembering that person you're praying for. You've prayed with tears for that person now. And you're telling other people that they need to pray for that person too. When, when you tell the person that you're praying for him or her, you feel a sense in your heart of sincerity. And you're not just being proud. You're saying that to encourage him. Like Paul, right? He would tell people he was praying for them. And he would give them the prayer list that he was praying for them for. And you find yourself doing that. You can be certain. It's the Spirit. He's stirring your heart. He's creating prayer. You're praying because the Spirit is making prayer exist. And you give all the credit to Him. And you be encouraged that if He began, He will be faithful to continue that good work to make you pray more. 
And another Puritan I could quote is John Owen. He spoke to this effect of the Spirit stirring our hearts. He said, It is He alone, the Spirit, who worketh us into that frame wherein we pray continually, our hearts being kept ready and prepared for this duty on all occasions and opportunities, being in the meantime acted and steered under the conduct and influence of those graces which are to be exercised therein. And so the Spirit helps us that way. He disposes us to pray. He inclines our heart to pray. He makes us willing. Um, he, sees our, he makes us see our need to pray. And then He gives us that yearning to pray. All of this is the stirring of the heart to pray. And so um, I want to leave for next time the other two points. And, and just to introduce them. That he removes the obstacles. We're gonna, it's good to spend a little time there because I think in terms of our experience in praying, we, we are so familiar with those, right? There's so many obstacles. And I'm thinking in our own hearts, not, not a schedule that's very busy. I'm just thinking of a mind and a heart that's very um, busy. And and it's precious to know that the Spirit helps us removing all those ob- obstacles. And he, and he reminds us of the things that are needful. And I'm not talking here now of reminding of petitions. That was our first point, the, the matter, the petitions. But we're going to see the things He reminds us of that, that, that works in our hearts regarding prayer. And, and there are things we need to be reminded of to, to even... Be thoughtful. I wish we had time to bring them here, but we do need time to pray because this is what we're here for, to come before the Lord in prayer and exercise these very precious things we're learning. Let us use our our gift of prayer as we learn how to wait um, until the Lord Jesus comes back, um, that we would wait in a way that glorifies Him. Let us pray. Our gracious and glorious God, how we thank Thee, Lord, for the gift of prayer. and We thank Thee for the gift of the Holy Spirit who teaches us how to pray. We thank Thee for the Lord Jesus who gave us the Holy Spirit. We thank Thee, Lord Jesus, that not only Thou hast given us the Spirit who teaches us, but Thou art the one who mediates. Lord, how precious when we think of the reality of prayer. And how we are in the very midst of the exercise of the Trinity um, working in our hearts and hearing our hearts. Forgive us, Lord, our sins. Forgive us that if I can confess my own sins that I don't pray as, as much as I ought to pray. Not only knowing the matter in knowing the heart but help us Lord all to become prayers prayer warriors uh, people who pray without ceasing and we ask all these things in Jesus holy name amen